0: for joining us today here on America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker and Scott Kirshner. And myself, my name is Chris Swan. Whether you've been with us uh, for a long time or you're first-time listener or viewer, we appreciate you spending time with us. Here's how I reach out, 419-794-3030. That's the phone number, 419-794-3030. Always online, headquarters.com. On today's show, you can hear what a famous unretired football player offered advice uh, to a movie star who's working once again we've got the signals that can tell if you're on the right track to financial independence and do you have the right financial components for your retirement red zone we'll explain and go further into that but first let me check in with the guys scott is not with us today but uh, we do have nolan baker jeremy baker no relation always have to say that and chaz price so gentlemen the triple threat glad to be with you guys how are you doing today
1: i hey, doing great yeah it's good to be here we had another great weekend uh, and the last weekend was the summer showcase for hockey so it was good to See uh, my high school son get out there on the ice Mm -hmm. with some of the other high school teams, and uh, it was a great weekend, but uh, yeah, great to be here.
2: Yeah, happy to be here too. As I was saying earlier, Chris, just getting back from a trip to Miami, so feeling refreshed and rejuvenated, ready to go. I'm happy to be here. Said I missed the hockey, and uh, (laughs) we talked a little little bit of football. It's
3: that time of year. I think baseball is the only sport, you know, big sport that's on, so... Looking forward to football and hockey season. Yeah, it's a a big
0: departure from, you know, October when you have all the major sports playing at the same time. Kind of a lull. But if you're a baseball Mm -hmm. fan, it's a a great time. But uh, it's glad to be with you guys. Glad to uh, share with you guys and appreciate you taking time out of your schedule with us as well. So let's go ahead and jump into this week's show. The chairman of the Federal Reserve says it's going to keep raising interest rates until it believes inflation is under control, even if that causes a recession. But at the same time, Jerome Powell admits, well, they were caught off guard. One way to say it would be I think we now understand better how little we understand about <laughs> That's inflation. That's not very
3: reassuring.
1: No,
0: it, you know, it, honestly, this was unpredicted. I was looking at our, um, uh, at the time of our June meeting, one year ago, of the 35 uh, people who filed with the survey of professional forecasters, 34 of them had inflation below 4 percent for last year. And of course, it was way above 4 percent. Way above four percent, I think is putting it mildly. Guys, if the so called experts can't predict what's gonna happen, what defensive steps can those closer to our retirement take with their portfolio, which is something, you know, that we actually can control.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there are some great defensive steps that people can take. Um you know, one of the things that they can do taking defensive steps and helping them avoid abandoning ship. Chaz, I know one of the things that you talk about in a lot of meetings that we have is people will oftentimes say get out of the stock market, they'll go to cash and then they'll they'll wait till things get better. And you know, as you know, without having a defined investment strategy uh, that can you know help determine you know when could be a good exit point or a good entry point, you know, oftentimes what you're ultimately doing is selling when stocks have gone down, uh, missing out on an opportunity when markets go back up. So you've got to get it right twice if you're going to go to cash and yeah. abandon ship. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is if you look at it, though, there are quite a few defensive steps. So even if the experts can't get it right, I think you know what an investor wants to do is they want to be in a position to try to help control some of the volatility, maybe smooth out some of this uh, declines that's happening. Uh, a couple of ideas that I have are one is protected equities. Uh, protected equities is a strategy that allows you to buffer some of the downside. So if the market's down. Uh, In an example, like 20% with a protected equity strategy, again, depending upon what strategy, that investor may only be down five. And in exchange for that, it offers a capped upside. So uh, some of the caps that just came out this month are are fairly attractive over the next year on what can happen. We then also incorporate that strategy in uh, another approach called hedged equity. And so what hedged equity does is it takes a percentage of the money And it, again, it buys some defensive strategies that would allow us or allow the investor to put losses at a predetermined level if and when the market went down. Um, There are things like fixed index annuities is another good example. A fixed index annuity is an insurance product that offers a a guarantee typically against, you know, loss of principal if the market goes down. In exchange for that, you have a capped upside or you have some type of participation. So, Final strategy that I throw out there, it's also a good idea to live off of the dividend income and and yield in the portfolio. Uh, We have a strategy like our blue chip income, which is kind of a combination of dividend paying stocks, some growth oriented stocks, but also has uh, some unique uh, investments in there that generate more current income. So if you have quality companies, companies that you believe in, uh, then, you know, you don't have to worry about what the price is today or tomorrow if you're living off of that income from the portfolio. So, you know, steps to take is really stress test your plan and look at your current plan. And in this you know, statement that the Fed talked about with continuing to raise interest rates, even if it causes inflation, where you want to stress test your plan right now is, uh, how it could impact with rising interest rates, guys. But what would you say?
2: Yeah, I I, uh, I think those are really good investment options to try to address some of the volatility in the markets. You know, I am actually doing a, a seminar coming up on July 25th and the 28th about those, you know, some of those exact same points about how do you thrive during a period of decline. That's actually the the title of the presentation, and you know, one of the first slides that I have is actually Jerome Powell, you know, making that statement that. He pretty much blew it, you know, and I think it's amazing Mm -hmm. how we as as a people and uh, as a country put so much faith in just, you know, a couple of individuals for our uh, financial future. And so uh, what we try to do and what I try to do in addition to some of those investment strategies is from a planning perspective, we try to address the things I always tell clients, um, you have to be able to control the things that you can control, you know, try to focus on those things and taking back control is the the main point here. And so one of the things that I usually point out is try to understand what things cost. I think understanding the fees and uh, some of the additional expenses of your investment, whether it be one, two or 3%, whatever the cost is, that's money coming out of your investment portfolio. And so, especially during a recession and a down period of time, Every single dollar is going to count. So you want to definitely understand what things are costing you. The other uh, point that I make is that you know with with the United States and demographically right now, I think uh, there's about twelve thousand people per day that are turning sixty five. Uh, it's estimated that by the time twenty thirty rolls around, you know over seventy percent of the population is going to be over sixty five. So. Um, you know, understanding how long-term care and health, uh, you know, expenses, medical expenses can impact your financial future, just being prepared for those sort of eventualities that you're going to have, it can be a big step towards preparing for uh, retirement in a recessionary period. And then also understanding uh, the sequence of return risk, you know, the risk of if you're not yet retired, um, what is you know, what is the outcome or what is the likelihood of you being able to accomplish your goals in a down market and understanding what the effect of, a, of the market's ups and downs uh, can be on your financial future? So we'll take a, a, you know, a hard look at the sequence of returns and kind of you know just estimate what might happen in a, a Monte Carlo analysis or a little bit more complex financial planning engagement that we can do for you here. Yeah,
1: you know, sequence of return risk, it does become a big factor for those folks that are close to or in retirement time. You know, what we call the retirement red zone. And you really want to figure out what steps can you take in the retirement red zone. And, you know, as you point out, Chaz, somebody who takes, you know, big declines in the market right at retirement Mm -hmm. time can have a major impact where, you know, somebody who's a lot younger, they're contributing to money into their plan uh you know over the course of time may not have that big of uh, an issue in fact they're getting to buy money while prices are lower mm-hmm. so one of the mistakes that i have seen people make too in this type of environment is just saying hey i'm not going to put money into my 401k plan anymore because the market's down and you know, why throw good money after bad, sometimes mm-hmm. they say. And that can be another dangerous scenario, too, is, you know, even though the inflation's high, even though the market's a little bit uh, uh, scary, you know, there's different steps that you can take depending upon what your appetite is for risk without having to abandon ship and to be able to accomplish
3: those goals that you want to have. I think a big thing, too, is when we take a look at doing a proper financial plan for folks is we we often talk about having a cash reserve which is available for emergencies as well as opportunities and the opportunities arise when the market is in kind of in the state that it's at. Now, you know, we look at, if you believe in a company, you know, we, we talk about a company like Apple, if Apple's underpriced and there's an opportunity to buy a good quality company at a discount, when you see people get new circulars in the mail, every time there's a sale at target, everybody runs to target. When there's a sale in the market, everybody seems to run away from the (laughs) stock market. You know, stocks are down, what, 30, 40%, depending on what day you look. But most people tend to run away from those opportunities, and we encourage them to take advantage of those opportunities. So Warren Cash Buffett is king. Yep,
0: yeah, absolutely. And you know uh, Warren Buffett famously says, "Be greedy when others are being fearful. Be fearful when others are being greedy." As you mentioned, Jeremy, when people you know they take advantage of the sales, no one really goes to Target and goes, "So this is going to go back to full price next week. I'll come back on Sunday. I'll buy it. I'll buy it when the price goes back up." This is a great opportunity if you are properly situated to to actually put more into the market because. Here's the thing, the, the Fed is not being subtle about about what they plan on doing. They plan on raising interest rate more, even like I said, even if it causes a recession. The, the, all signs are pointing to there being a market downturn in the future. And I think of uh Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner. You know, when when he chases the roadrunner into the train tunnel and he sees the train coming, he just holds up an umbrella and he braces for impact. Mm-hmm. He could just get off the yeah. track. I mean, I mean that, that's a better way to do it. They're very clear about the fact that there's going to be interest rates rising. There will almost certainly be a recession coming in the future whether it is this year whether it's next year but certainly over the course of your retirement it's going to happen so are you just going to stand on the tracks and, and brace for impact or are you going to put steps in place right now to minimize that control what you can control and that starts with putting together a plan with the team at america's retirement headquarters real easy 419-794-3030 is the phone number that's 419-794-3030 or online americas retirement headquarters.com click on the events tab over there at americas retirement see. All kinds of events coming up, uh, like the ones Chaz talked about, Retirement Today, Prosperity, and a Period of Decline, coming up on the 25th and the 28th of this month. You can get more information about that, including and in seeing the other dates and events coming up uh, by clicking on the Events tab, com. Now, guys, I ran across an article titled The Seven Deadly Sins of Investors in Volatile Markets, and it talked about investors who go into denial and claim that, well, this time it's going to be different. What's your message for them, for the person who came out of 2008 and said, I'm never going to let that happen to me again, but right now is, well, doing just that. They're deciding to wait and see before they take any action at all.
1: Well, I think, you know, the most dangerous words to say when it comes to investing is this time it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, after being in business for over 28 years, I think we've seen – uh, a majority of things happen you know you could say when the u.s debt had the crisis and the you know the dollar got downgraded that was the first time that that's ever happened in the history right so you know was it different that time and look at you know had you gone to the sidelines and sat in cash and missed out on what the market recoveries have been um, you could say you know this time it was different with nine eleven. and you know as a veteran-owned business what a terrible thing that happened but You know again if we look back after the initial shock happened to the the markets and the economy look at again where the markets are at today and you know there's been so many different times i mean you know russia moved into uh, troops into Crimea back in 2013 so again is this time with ukraine something different Uh, there's always been a reason that this time it's different and at least in my experience, it's not different. Uh, it's a normal part of the economic cycle, where you know the markets go through good times and they go through bad times. Generally speaking, I think the market can handle good news and the market can handle bad news. Uh, you know what the market doesn't like is doesn't like uncertainty. Uh, And it certainly doesn't like shocks to the system when, you know, you've got the Federal Reserve predicting inflation at four, and it's actually more than double that. Those are shocks to the system, but they work themselves out over time. And that's back to what we were talking about in that previous segment is where it takes and turns uh, from crisis to opportunity, because there's not that many opportunities that the market gives you to be able to look for, you know, some great quality things that are out there. And in. Part of the philosophy as Jeremy was talking about with our independent income system And for those of you that are listening if you're not familiar with our trademark system the independent income system Just go on Google type in the independent income system and we'll share with you a quick video of where we see You know opportunities and threats right now within the marketplace uh, but if you have these buckets in place uh, you have the ability to take advantage of some of these I know uh, recently I, I had met with somebody that had come into the office for the first time and uh, you know we were talking about where some of the opportunities were but you know unfortunately this investor was what I would call pot committed right mm. so he had all of his money invested already in the market so he didn't have any buying power um, and, and that can create dangers inside of there too so my answer to that is uh, this time it's different is is not going to be true. This time uh, it's going to create opportunities like it has in the past. Yeah,
2: I would agree with that too. I did one of the, uh, I'm just thinking COVID-19, you know, obviously when it first started peaking in March of 2020, you know, that, that was a really scary time. I mean, I think f- just for everybody, but then for advisors in general, just because the market was dropping so quickly, you know, 7% in one week and, you know, 30% in 30 days, you know, were were some of the, the terms being thrown around and then 2021 ended up being one of the best years in history. So, you're right. You you really can't um just say that because it feels different. Maybe we should be making some changes. One of the things that I do uh, talk to and advise clients, you know, during an uh, initial conversation is during the the uh discovery phase, we'll ask a lot of questions and one of them is what have you done to prevent from you know a two thousand and eight two thousand and nine crisis. I usually see their eyes open and they're like, "Well, not really, not a whole lot. You know, I'm just kind of you know invested. And so once the market's down, there's there's sometimes not a whole lot we can do for a period of time. It's just kind of wait it out a bit. but the real magic, I think in financial planning and investing is done in advance by using the independent income system you know, bucketing amounts of money for periods of time that you're going to need it so that the dollars are invested appropriately for that time frame, And just knowing that and trusting that the the plan and the time that you've taken to, to uh, build everything out in your financial situation is, is prepared to weather storms like this so that you don't get scared away. I think asset
3: allocation is definitely a big key. I know when we talk about things like uh, sequence of returns and overall return. The majority of it is derived from having proper asset allocation. Uh, a lot of times people focus on the small things like luck timing. And right now timing looks like, you know, when the market's down, it seems like a good time to invest, but it also seemed like a great time to invest three months ago when the market went down. Mm-hmm. And it's like once, you know, people talk about buying on the dip or, you know, okay, I'm going to buy in the dip, but when's the dip or when's the bottom? And if you trust in your asset allocation, I think that's that's a lot lot of the battle. It's about probably 80% of the battle having that proper asset allocation. And, you know, all we really have is history to guide us. But I know coming into the business in late 99, I saw about three great months until March of 2000. And then So I consider myself kind of a depression era advisor and always look to be a little bit more conservative. Mm -hmm. And I know for us, it's easy to have meetings when the market's just continually going up, which, you know, we've seen that prior to COVID, probably 10 straight years of the market going up. And those are great meetings. But for us, you know, to kind of earn our money as advisors, it's it's guiding clients through these type of times where it's kind of a handholding process. And hey, trust the asset allocation, the market's going to come back don't panic don't make the wrong decisions on a whim or on an irrational basis yeah
2: and i think this time too is different or seems different for people because of the bond market you know it's one of the few times in history when the stock and the bond market are both down double digits and so that may feel a little different it has happened in the past but not for a long time since the early 80s late 70s i believe and so uh, there are some correlations to that period of time but um, the, you know, I think as a country where we've saved, you know, we're in a position a little bit better, uh, with savings, um, you know, the federal reserve and the banking industry is a little bit more, uh, you know, stronger, is a little bit better resolved. So, you know, that, that could contribute a little bit to it as well.
3: There's no, it's almost a situation where there's no place to hide. Like yeah. in most situations, if there's a, a, an asset class, that's depressed or there's usually one or two, you know, there's. Roughly 17 different asset classes between real estate, commodities, international, etc. There's usually something that's going up, but this is one of those rare periods of time where everything seems to be down. Bonds are losing money. It's like the only thing, the only thing that looks safe or appears to be safe is cash. But you know, like we talked about earlier, there are opportunities, and this is one of those cases as well.
1: Well, certainly the energy sector has been been strong so far. And mm-hmm. again, going back to like what you were talking about, using history as a guideline and what can investors learn from that? You know, there, there are certain categories, whether it's rising interest rates or whether we're in a recession, that are investment categories, as you talk about, that might be better categories to own than other categories. Uh, a good example is that think of uh, daily essential companies. So think of the companies that you need, uh, whether we're in a recession or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So every morning I'm getting up, jumping in the shower and I'm brushing my teeth, right. Every single day, regardless of the recession, I'm still going to the breakfast table, having my breakfast cereal. I still, you know, drink a soft drink at lunch with, uh, you know, what I'm having for lunch. Those are companies that tend to be a little bit more defensive when you break down Uh, you know some of those categories. The other thing I'd say is a a tip and a pointer for those of you listening to the show is when you look at asset allocation, asset allocation is a strategy ultimately designed to try to reduce risk and what that means is that you're, you're generally selling off your winners and buying your quote losers when markets change a little bit. So normally like if the stock market is up and bonds are down you're selling some stocks and purchasing bonds and as Jeremy points out this year is a little bit different because you know in general the stock and bond market are both down, but still don't ignore asset allocation. Um, look at asset allocation as something that you do on a consistent basis. And you know how often would somebody do that? I'd say kind of maybe like a dentist's office. So every six months, you're looking to rebalance your portfolio and or rebalancing your portfolio during extreme times of volatility, like what we're seeing right now, too. Uh, those could be some good things that To do overall within your portfolio. And then, you know, diving deeper into it, uh, taking things into consideration like uh, taxes. Uh, Most of the people listening to the show have some type of tax deferred retirement account. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're deferring taxes to later, you know, if all of this spending that we've had in our government, somebody's going to have to pay for that and it could come in the form of higher taxes. If your investment account is lower, there could be some strategies uh, to look to maybe do a Roth conversion as a good example and take advantage of where the taxes are. Uh, there's also tax strategies when you look at taxable accounts where if you have some losers that maybe you want to get rid of, you can take some of those capital losses uh, and possibly use them for your tax purposes. Uh, you know, in that scenario, or even in doing Roth conversions, no matter what the taxes are, you always want to consult with your CPA or tax professional uh, to kind of find some things out out. Something else, I guess, is, you know, we're getting closer to wrapping up this first segment that I think is another good takeaway. Uh, One of the tools that we've utilized out in, in the marketplace to determine the asset allocation to look for, you know, where are possibly your winners and maybe, you know, where could you cut losses on some of your losers is a website called Morningstar. Uh, So Morningstar.com. What Morningstar does is Morningstar gives you a lot of facts and figures. Uh, So you can go over there or you can get together with like our firm and we can take your account holdings. And what we can do is we can put it into Morningstar and then we can start to slice and dice and do an X-ray of the portfolio. Another good example of something that we have seen. If you go back to the crash of 2000, uh, a lot of investors maybe felt they were diversified because they had five, six, ten mutual funds. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, back in the 2000s, those ten mutual funds all still own the same technology, Mm -hmm. you know. So when we had the dot-com bubble burst and the technology, you know, kind of blow up, those were the areas that really got hit hard. Uh, And Morningstar allows us to look at style drift, portfolio overlap, get a good analysis of where those holdings are uh, and how to take a look at different places on where to position the portfolio. The final thing that I'd say is look at your road to recovery. You know, if you're down a little bit, um, think about the investments that you own and don't drive looking in the rearview mirror. Instead, try to look forward and try to make a good educated decision about where might be a better opportunity for things as they recover. Uh, As an example, I think if you look at the growth potential between stocks and bonds, stocks historically have a better growth potential. And I think we're in one of those environments right now where, you know, stocks and bonds, and again, depends upon somebody's risk tolerance, but if we're picking two and we say which one, you know, since they both got beat up, have a better opportunity, I'd say there's some great opportunities out there within the stock
2: market. Mm -hmm. I would uh, tend to agree with that. Recently, we did a, an interview with another financial advisor, a CFA out. Uh, I believe he's the accounting and economics professor at the Citadel in South Carolina. He actually had an interesting statistic. When the 10-year Treasury note is above 3%, it tends to outperform the stock market. So to your point as well, it, could, it does make sense to own both, not to totally um, diverge from traditional asset allocation but to still continue to own you know, both stocks and bonds according to your risk tolerance. So something to, to uh, look into for sure.
0: It all comes back down yeah. to you know, not putting all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this many times on the show. People want to feel like they're in control. And, and when it comes to the market and you know, what the inflation rate is, it's like there's so many factors that are working against us where uh, they don't have any control over. And so they they try to make moves that, again, try to make, give them at least the illusion of it, you know, whether it is selling stocks, whether that's the right thing to do or not, or, uh, you know, go all, all to cash or, or whatever. Uh, it's not to say that moves shouldn't be made, but they should be done tactically. And that's something that the team at America's Retirement Headquarters can help you with. I'm going to be a little contrarian here, where we keep talking about how people shouldn't go in with the mindset that this time it's going to be different. It is going to be different in the sense that, you know, we're 14 years removed from 2008. We're all a little older, hopefully wiser, closer to retirement, or at least your time horizon is probably shorter. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. if if you've taken a flight recently or ever, you know, if there's turbulence at the beginning of the flight, it's probably not going to drift you so much from your arrival time. Whereas if you get closer and closer to your destination, any disruptions is really going to throw off that timing. So uh, again, not something that we can control, but if if you have the proper plan put in place, you can mitigate the effects of market downturns of increased taxation, things like that. It all starts with a phone call to the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, 419-794-3030. Online, americasretirementheadquarters.com. And like I mentioned earlier, if you click on the events tab on the website, America's americasretirementheadquarters.com, you can register for one of the upcoming uh, classes coming up uh, at BGSU Levis Commons. Retirement today, prosperity, and a period of decline. There's two coming up uh, here at the end of the month. There's some in August if you can't make the July dates, but you can see what works for, best for you. And go ahead and uh, and reserve your space there, America's americasretirementheadquarters.com. So, guys, a story from CNBC talks about one drawback that retirement savers may encounter when they roll over a workplace 401k into an IRA, and that is higher investment fees. In fact, a study found that the typical hybrid fund in a 401k plan charges about 0.20% less than the same fund in an IRA, which, again, 0.20, not 20%. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it could end up costing retirees thousands of dollars. So, Can you guys help clients in this situation make sense of it all so that their money isn't being eaten up by fees?
1: Well, I'm really happy that fees have been kind of the spotlight for the last, I don't know, five years or so, because Mm -hmm. what you've seen in the industry is, you know, fees have continued to come down. There uh, is a big difference, I think, between different financial products that are offered and what the expense ratios are. Um, Variable annuities, as an example, in my opinion, is one of the most, you know, costly financial products that are out there when you add up the, you know, sub-account fees, the mortality and expense charges, the rider charges, you know, it can can get costly. And that doesn't mean, you know, the cheapest is always the best either. Uh, You know, fees don't always have to be higher uh, in an IRA relative to a 401k. Uh, A good example is we work really closely with Charles Schwab. I think between Charles Schwab, Vanguard, and Fidelity, there's some really good choices that are out there uh, in providers whether it's a 401k or an IRA uh, to have costs down another thing to do is to look at what type of share class you're going to get involved with so there's class a class b uh, class c there's load waived class A, and there's also institutional share classes. So, you know, sometimes those institutional share classes can be lower expense ratios too that are out there. You know, you, you really gotta kind of slice and dice when you're looking at the, the fees and expenses that are a part of a portfolio. Going back to Chaz, what you were saying before, There's things that we can control and there's things that we can't control. So we can't control what the market's going to do. As we talked about earlier when we were talking about even the Federal Reserve. So, you know, some of the highest powers that be for making financial decisions for our country, even admit they got it wrong. uh, You know, the markets are somewhat of an uncontrollable, but fees and expenses is
2: definitely an area that is controllable. Yeah. And this is an area that I've spent quite a bit of time really, working on and studying um, as an advisor. I have I grew up in a small business family and uh, that's always been a passion of mine is retirement planning for a small business, uh, closely held uh, families. But one of the thoughts that I've always had about fees, Chris, is that fees really only matter to me in the absence of any value. Mm-hmm. So if I'm paying a fee for something, I'm okay with that as long as I know what I'm paying for. And to me, just the fee alone is not enough decision or not enough information to make a decision about. I need to know a couple of different things in, in terms of the, you know, the plan itself. What, what do I have access to um, and what am I getting for that fee? And so I use the analogy of shopping. I mean, uh, going to the grocery store. I think most of us have, have done that. Some of us have lists. Some of us are just kind of roamers. But one, one thing that I think we all agree upon is that what we pay for something, when we see what it's, what the price is, when we go to check out, that's exactly what it should be. And imagine going to the grocery store and you're assembling all, you know, your, your cart and you've got this big cart of groceries and there's no screen. There's no way of you knowing, you know, as the cashier is running your items, what they're charging you for it. And at the end, the cashier gives you, you know, a bill for $300 and you're like, well, I didn't get to see what this cost. I didn't, you didn't have any price tag on the item. That's to me is really the 401k industry yeah. is that, you know, you, you go into the situation where somebody tells you, you know, inside of this store, you can go to aisles three four and five and on the bottom two shelves that's all you can shop from and you do your best that you can but by the time you get to the register you don't know what you're paying for these things you don't know what it's costing you don't know what the value is and so as a financial advisor at the retirement guys we can run your receipt and that's actually what we call it if you bring in the statement uh, maybe even a breakdown of what other options are available to you in that 401k we'll run your receipt we'll let you know what some of these things are costing you because The biggest component to what fees you're going to pay in a 401k, it's not the actual uh, account. It's not your actual uh, investment. It's the investment of the overall plan. It's how much money the company has. And so basically the bigger the company, the lower overall fees that you as a participant in that plan are going to realize because of the economies of scale compared to a smaller employer. Maybe that only has a couple of employees. Maybe they're just starting the plan one of my responsibilities is to incept 401ks for employers. And that's one of the things that we look at. There is often a plan based fee that could be anywhere from one. I've seen it as high as 2%, uh, could be as low as a quarter percent, just depending on how many, how much in assets are in that plan. And so looking at the sub, you know, the the actual investment account fees is not enough for you to make a decision because you could be paying an asset based fee as a, function of the plan itself based on the size of the plan that you never ever actually see.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, cost, as you point out, in absence of value is something to take a look at. Um, there are, I think, some other big differences when you look at the difference between, say, a 401k or a self-directed IRA. You know, really many plans don't allow much flexibility when it comes to things like investment choices or withdrawal options as retirees. Uh, There was a survey, and and what it showed is nearly 31% of 401k plans did not allow for partial or periodic withdrawals in 2020. Mm -hmm. Uh, So some people that are looking for more flexibility withdrawals uh, an IRA may offer a better choice. Uh, on the flip end of the scale, there again, there's some situations where a 401k may make more sense for somebody uh, that's after the age 55. You know, so traditionally, uh, if the 401k offers some flexibilities, and they're no longer working, after the age 55, they may have some flexibility to be able to take withdrawals and avoid early withdrawal penalties, which could apply in a self-directed IRA uh, up until age 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. Then if we talk a little bit about some of the investment options, you know, if you're talking about leaving your money in your old plan, if you're happy with the results, but you know, maybe this year the market's got you a little bit more concerned, and you wanna look at some of the downside strategies uh, some of the things that we talked about for the other strategies like hedged to equity, uh, protected equities, things like fixed index annuities, iron uh, retirement, iron retirement, using tactical strategies, uh, maybe owning individual bonds uh, to help reduce or eliminate interest rate risk. Mm-hmm. Those could all be limited choices within side of a 401k. There are a lot of things to consider. At the end of the day, it's not there's not one right approach for anybody's individual situation. Everybody's a little bit different. And so you've got to take a look at what your individual goals are, what you're trying to accomplish, and then from there, figuring out the solutions gets to be a lot easier.
0: It really is all about knowing what you're paying, being able to understand it. And Chaz, you hit it on the head there, talking about value. I've, I've told this story before uh, and telling on myself, honestly, uh, my family, we own are we subscribed to a, probably too many streaming services. So we actually recently sat down and said, you know, are we still using this? Are we still watching this? Is this something that's that's worth us paying the monthly subscription fee for, you know, especially in the light of some of them going up in, in rate and, and being able to say, yes, we do still watch a good number of shows on, on this service or that service because we're able to quantify that. We know the value that we're getting for it and we know how much we're paying in exchange. And we could say, yes, this is worth keeping. No, it's not worth keeping. We'll never be able to get rid of Disney Plus because of my son. That's a whole other story. But we know how much the bill is, honestly. But when it comes to your 401K and uh, things like that, you probably don't actually know what you're paying in fees unless you've done that deep dive, unless you've had someone like the professionals at America's Retirement Headquarters do that. And without knowing, you can't really assess the value that you're getting for what you are paying. And so that's something I want to task you with. Go ahead and have a fee analysis done. Have the team at America's Retirement Headquarters take a look and show you how much you are actually paying in fees be able to assess at that point if that is something of value to you or if there's other ways to maybe shift your assets around to to make it work better for you. Give a call, schedule a time to speak with them, 419-794-3030, or go online to America's americasretirementheadquarters.com. We've been told for years that a 60-40 mix of stocks to bonds in your 401k, that's a good portfolio design. But if you look at that portfolio this year, well, it's down across the board about 15%. Is this just an anomaly year where stocks and bonds are both down or is the 60 40 portfolio just not cutting it anymore
1: well it definitely is a unique year with you know stocks hand bonds being down and you know the 60 40 mix but if you think about you know the 60 40 mix of traditional asset allocation you know a lot of that came out of what i would refer to as modern portfolio theory and you know, modern portfolio theory goes back about seventy years now. So, Real modern, how yeah. relative, yeah, <laughs> and modern is that? You know, things have changed. Think about like you know technology, or think about like healthcare and what's changed uh, in the last seventy years. I mean, you have cars that'll drive you nowadays. Uh, healthcare advances have been you know incredible at what they can accomplish, and you know the same is true with the financial services industry. I'm not saying that a 60-40 portfolio is completely dead, but I think there could be different choices uh, you know, that have been a little bit better. The recent stock and bond losses, though, have, have in my opinion, improved some of the valuations for the 60-40 portfolio considerably based upon the combination of things like price-to-earnings ratios for the S&P, uh, maybe the yield, as you talked about, for the Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index. Um, so the 60-40 portfolio may not be back to the level of returns that we've seen over the last decade when you're looking at what the the outlook could be there could be i think other financial choices and options that are out there you know one of the things again that we have talked about is our approach in utilizing the independent income system you know so within the independent income system instead of looking at the traditional 60-40 mix and as somebody gets older or becomes less desired of risk, they increase the bond exposure. I think the independent income system creates buckets of money uh, that is a better approach because those buckets of money are designed to cover specific timeframes. We're taking a look at things like, well, what if there is a, a market crash in both the stock and bond market? How does that look? We're stress testing the portfolio to say, you know, how do things look with rising interest rates? We can build in things into the portfolio that, you know, can help offset and fight inflation in the future. Uh, You know, we can look at then having money set aside for the next five or 10 years. And if you have money set aside for the next five or 10 years and things that aren't exposed to market risk, then I think the odds become much more in an investor's favor to be successful in the stock market when they have other buckets of money and they can let their stocks grow. Because my opinion is you know, over the next five or 10 years with this pullback that we've seen in the market, I think stocks have some tremendous opportunities that are out there. It's those folks that need the money uh, right now or those folks that have all of their money in and they're po- committed, You know, they're really kind of subject to the lottery of the returns of the stock market. So that's what I would say. And one of the things that you, you should do if you haven't done this yet, you should stress test your current plan versus the traditional 60-40 mix. You know, uh, take a look at stress testing your plan and determine what may line up best with your individual risk tolerance and future performance when you know all the different choices that are out there, those are a lot of good things that can happen. Uh, and of course, if you haven't been to one of our university classes, uh, make some time to come out to one of those events. All you got to do is go to America's uh, click on the events tab, whether it's our university talk or whether it's our coffee with the CFO uh, or our First Friday event. We've got a lot of great things that are coming out that you know, will help try to educate you to determine what's best for your individual situation.
2: Yeah, so I, I would just add to that, Nolan, I think the, the 60-40 philosophy is more of just a general rule of thumb, kind of more generic, uh, a benchmarking process mm-hmm. that we'll use to gauge, you know, your performance and how you're doing. But, you know, if anybody, you know, gives you a 10-question a questionnaire and calls you moderately conservative and puts you in a 60-40 portfolio just because, it's probably an indication that it's may not be one of the most sophisticated practices and maybe you should look for a possibility of maybe just getting a second opinion because as nolan said your asset allocation it may actually come down to a 60 40 but there has to be you know a little bit more that goes into how we came to that figure for you and so really to me it comes down to cash flows. When you're going to need some money, you know, at the end of the year, you've got during the year, you've got money coming in, you've got money going out. And if there's a surplus or a a shortage at the end of the year, you know, that would determine, you know, how we're going to allocate those money to fill up that uh, shortage. And so very simply, it's just like a big budget. We look to see in the years that you have shortages, we add all those up and, you know, that's your nest egg. That's how much money you're going to need to retire will then bucket those, those dollars that you need in five to 10 year increments. And that kind of will help us determine your asset allocation. It very often comes down to, you know, very similar 60 40 or 50 50, you know, or whatnot. But it might be 35, you know, 65 or something like that. But it's not just the number. It's not the, the general benchmark that we're looking for. It's the process and the methodology that we use to get there. Well, I think, you know,
1: something that our listeners need to, you know, write down or pay attention to what you just said that I think is oftentimes overlooked. So if you went into a financial firm and all you did was answer questions about what type of risk profile you are, uh, that's not the whole story. It's really not. I can think of a specific example where I had a gentleman that had come into the office last week and we took his investments uh, in our software we can measure the risk profile anywhere from 0 to 100, uh, 0 being the lowest risk and 100 being the highest risk. Well, the way that we looked at his portfolio, he had a risk score of 30. So one might define that as conservative. Mm-hmm. The next thing that we did is then we stress test his plan and we said based upon the withdrawals that he's taking, he had a 6% probability of success to achieve his goals based on what his risk score. Oh. so. so As you know, when you look at that, something has to change. Either you can lower the withdrawals and keep your risk down, that's okay. Um, You could uh, maybe go back to work and get another part-time job. Or what you could do is you could increase some of the risk overall. So what we did is we just looked at the plan and we said, hey, you know, we don't have to go really high here, but what if we just go from 30 to 50? Well simply taking his asset allocation from 30 to 50. It increases probability of success up to the 70% range mm-hmm. so now not you know going from 6 to 70 you know felt a lot more comfortable and being able to do that <laughs> so risk is more than just a question of how do you feel um, Jeremy as you point out I think one of the true values of working with a financial professional is you know when times get tough like this our job is to help coach and mentor you to not abandon ship don't panic on your plan you know the plan was that not everything was going to always work out the markets weren't going to always go up we knew that going into it so it's in these type of environments where you need to take advantage of that need to be able to you know get in there and, and take advantage of some of the opportunities as I said earlier turn that panic into opportunity
3: I think theoretically the 60-40 it's probably correct I've heard of things like your age and fixed income and then when you really dig deep into what that means you know, having that conservative portion of your portfolio, or when we even take it a little bit deeper to the independent income system, we look at taking, you know, one year to three years worth of income that is safe and guaranteed. And that and that's really what the protection that you need to look for is, you know, most people wanna have a, a portfolio that is, That aligns with their risk tolerance, but at the end of the day, it's about getting, I used to call it walking to the mailbox and getting that check, (laughs) which now is you know checking the app on your phone to make sure that money's in your bank account. But that's the important thing to us, especially working with people that are close to or in retirement, is making sure that their needs are fulfilled, that their income level is safe and guaranteed. And there's so many different More sophisticated products than were available 70 years ago. So that 40% of bonds might not just be bonds It could be individual bonds. It could be things like we've talked about before fixed index annuities things that guarantee That keep your money safe and guaranteed when you actually need it and then a portion for growth and a portion Maybe in a midterm bucket that that's when we take a look at your overall asset allocation and how it affects you 60-40 sounds great But it's not for everybody. There's no one specific target for any specific person. If if that were the case, then the federal government wouldn't need to tell us because there'd be one perfect (laughs) solution. And we all know that's not the case.
2: 60-40 or, you know, that nomenclature is not a plan. Don't assume that because your advisor called you moderately conservative that you're going to be okay. You know, moderately conservative is really, to me, one of the most ambiguous terms in our industry. It means to me that... When things are going well yeah i'm moderate but when things are going poorly how dare you lose me money you know it's like very difficult for us to identify what that means so don't let people use the generic terms on you yeah the same client who
3: was conservative today when the market's down was aggressive five years ago when you couldn't lose money r-
0: regardless of where you put it yeah yeah it's very easy to say that you're comfortable with having a high level of risk when the markets are, are swimming along like you guys said and you know when it comes to the, the 60-40 rule or your age and, and safe money they're better than nothing certainly as far as a plan mm-hmm. goes but uh, you probably want something a little bit more dynamic than that it's a good it's a good place to start from it's the same sort of way that you shouldn't at least go to WebMD and, and type that in and go well That's the result it gave me. That's what I've got. No, at that point, (laughs) you know, you've got an idea. You've narrowed down what it it might be, what it might not be. But then you want to go to professionals. In this case, you obviously want to go to a doctor and really fine-tune and say, okay, I don't think it's this. I don't think it's that. Please tell me that. I'm not not dying because the first thing I typed in was the plague. Hopefully it's not that situation. (laughs) But you want to have a more customized plan come into play. And it's going to vary from person to person, obviously. It might end up being 60-40 at the end of the day. But more often than not, the numbers are going to differ a little bit. To figure out the numbers that are going to work for you, Here's the number you need to call, 419-794-3030. That's 419-794-3030. Don't forget, uh, lots of events coming up here uh, at BGSU at Levis Commons. Uh, to find out more about those and to, to reserve your, your seat for those events, go to americasretirementheadquarters.com, click on the events tab. The guy's actress, Cameron Diaz. She's actually coming out of an eight-year retirement, unretiring from Hollywood, to make a Netflix movie with Jamie Foxx, but she admitted to him in a phone call that the thought of reentering the working world was causing her anxiety. I'm so excited, but I don't know how to do this. You know. I understand. Listen, I got somebody on the line that can help you with this. I would love that. Any that right. I can get? All right, hold on a second.
1: Time. You there? Jamie, what's up, man? Chilling, man. Cameron, it's the GOATs.
2: What? Hi, Cameron. Oh, my God. Is
3: this Tom Brady? <laughs> so I was talking to Jamie, and um, he said you need a few tips on how to unretire. Um, relatively <laughs> successful at unretiring. Honestly, exactly what I needed.
0: Well, guys, I'm going to jump off of this. You guys chatted up. Perfect. We'll take it from here. And I do. Like I said, Cameron Diaz coming out of an eight-year retirement. Tom Brady was retired for all of 40 days. What do you tell clients who feel anxious about unretiring, but the thought of that and how does it affect their financial plan?
2: I thought she was a FAR fan from that movie I saw. <laughs> yeah, it seemed sure. longer than eight years for sure. I haven't seen her in anything, but-, but That is wild, <laughs> it's been that long.
1: You know, I think people unretiring, you know, again, it comes down to, is that what they're wanting to do? Or is that what they're doing because they feel forced to do mm-hmm. that? That's a big difference. I think, you know, ultimately um, people are a little bit nervous right now. And if you're nervous and you're thinking that you have to go back to work, And that's something that you don't want to do. I'd say, again, run the numbers, get a second opinion, take a look and figure out, you know, is that really something that you have to do or is, you know, this uh, short-term volatility something that you could get through? Uh, I don't know about you guys, uh, other pointers or tips that you would give too.
3: I think my, my mother just retired. She had a retirement party just a couple of weeks ago and worked for the police department. And the chief didn't want her to go. And now she's got other departments that are calling her, hey, can you come in for eight hours a week? And, you know, she's been retired for a couple of couple of weeks now, and people are asking her, what are you doing? How do you like retirement? And she's like, well, right now it just feels like I'm kind of on vacation. And they're telling her that you'll get used to it. And I don't think that she's necessarily nervous about the markets because she's got a great financial advisor and on our team here. Mm-hmm. But... I think she's more worried about finding ways to fulfill her day and uh, you know, finding whether it's a hobby or, or something with uh, even if there's something that could provide a little bit of income. And everybody has a little bit different definition of retirement.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually have been getting that uh, question or situation more frequently with clients. I had a situation where some a, a teacher, a client of ours, we, we just brought on, was asked you know to come back to school and teach beginning in the fall and so uh she she did that and and i think she enjoys what she's doing and doesn't mind going back she's not going to have the same benefit structure and so that's something to me to to consider because i asked her i said well why not she won't get the 401k and things like that you know she's a part-time employee, so insurance and, and other uh, factors don't apply. So, you know, I asked her, I was like, why not just, you know, work full-time for another year instead of, you know, most time and not have all the benefits? And she's like, oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Hmm. So I guess as you're you're kind of going into this situation, maybe just be sure, you know, look at uh, the fact that um, right now, COVID and some of the other supply chain shortages or whatever the disaster du jour is causing, you know, a lot of employers to just not have enough help. And so there's a probably going to be a good chance that if you retire now, you, you've got an opportunity to work anywhere you want really in the country. So, you know, consider that uh, if you if you want to get out and do something different, um, there's certainly going to be an opportunity. But Maybe it would make sense to, you know, stick around and, and do it for another year because, you know, you're going to get, uh, you know, one thing to consider is your Social Security benefit. If you're not already drawing Social Security, if this is one of your peak earnings years and if you can go one more year and earn, you know, more money in that last, you know, in those, those final years, the government's going to take your, your final 35 years worth of earnings to uh, calculate your Social Security payment, so if you're in your peak earnings years, maybe it does make sense to stick around for another year, bump up your Social Security potentially, and it does make your plan look a lot better. When we've run the scenario of waiting for one year, it it does increase the probability of success usually for your financial plan. So that that is definitely something to consider.
0: Whether it is retiring just normally, retiring early, or unretiring, we hope it's something that you do out of your own desire, not something that, that you you, know, you have to unretire out of necessity. But in any event, it comes down to checking with the plan, making sure the numbers align, that it is feasible, that it is the right move for you. And if you need help crunching those numbers, again, the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, they can help you with that, weigh the pros and cons and maybe show you a better way, like uh, like Chaz pointed out there, you know, going back full time instead of going back most time and being able to retain those benefits that, uh, you know, teaching an extra year full time would, would help out with. 419 794 Thirty thirty. that's how you schedule a time to speak with america's retirement headquarters 419-794-3030 you can always find them online americasretirementheadquarters.com we thank you for joining us this week please take care of each other out there and guys as we wrap up we'll leave you with the final word
1: yeah another great quote this week at uh, george bernard shaw what he said is you don't stop laughing when you grow old you grow old when you stop laughing. So have a great week, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We'll be back same time, same channel right here on 1370 WSPD. This is America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates.
0: America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles Discussion should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.